All right, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily, which would be privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Jesus, that J-E at the first of Jesus is shortened for Jehovah. And that Sus, S-U-S, Sus, Jehovah saves. Sus is saved. So Jehovah, when you say Jesus, you're saying Jehovah saves is what you're saying when you say Jesus. For what? For he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. Is he saving you from the boogeyman? Is he saving you from the devil? No, you know what? Actually, he's saving you from yourself. Jesus Christ saved me from my sin. The sin I've committed. The sin that's going to send me to hell. The sin that's going to keep me out of heaven. That sin, Jesus Christ saved me from my sins. From their sins. So that's what you're saved from. You're saved from your sins that would have sent you to a devil's hell. For he shall save his people from their sins. That's why they called him, why he's named Jesus. Jehovah saves. Verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now you might say, what does Emmanuel mean? Well, keep reading. The Bible interprets itself. The Bible interprets itself. Which being interpreted is God with us. Capital G. Jesus Christ is God with us. That's why Jesus Christ walked around and said, I can only say what the Father says. says I can only do what the Father does. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. So what you have going on here is the mystery of the incarnation. You have Jesus Christ is God putting himself into a little baby to, be, to, to, to rise up and to come and to die for the sins of his people. Which includes me and you if you're adopted into the family of God. So that's what Emmanuel means. God with us. So God is manifest in the flesh. Verse 24. Then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord has, had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. Let me stop there. Mary had other children. Mary had other children after Jesus Christ. Why is that so important? Because there's some religions that teach that Mary uh, stayed a perpetual virgin and she never had another child. Joseph was never with her, it, it, it conceived anything with her, and that she died as a virgin and was, was, came up as the immaculate virgin. No, she was a virgin when she had Jesus Christ, and then Joseph went and knew her, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, which was her firstborn, of course, is Jesus Christ, and he called his name Jesus. Now this morning I want to preach on somebody that nobody talks about. I don't hear a lot of people talk about him. I don't hear a lot of people mention him. And when you read about the Christmas story, he's kind of forgotten, man, this man right here. Joseph. What about Joseph the carpenter? What about him? Well, that's what I want to preach on this morning is let's find out more and let's study the scripture and find out what we can find out about Joseph the carpenter. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just come to you in a... Precious name of Jesus Christ, Father, Lord, I pray, Father, you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord God. I pray, Father, it be your words, not mine. And, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would feed your people, Lord. And, Father, be like holy manna come down, Father. But, Lord, help us to understand your reasoning, Lord God, your direction with Joseph, Lord God, what he was doing, what kind of man he was, Father. And, Lord, help us understand the importance of a father in a family, Lord God, a father to a child. Help us to understand that importance, Father. And Lord, I thank you for allowing me to call you my heavenly Father. And I pray all this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, Joseph. 
I said, I'm going to study Joseph. So I got out my, I have a Nelson's uh, uh, Bible dictionary, which I, I encourage you, if you do any kind of Bible reading, get you a Bible dictionary. You don't have to believe everything that's in that dictionary, but it'll help you with some things. So I pulled that Bible dictionary out, and I, I flipped over to Joseph, and there's a lot of Josephs in the Bible. You know, sometimes if you just say Joseph, some people think of Joseph the dreamer, the one that could interpret dreams. But when, you, when I, I looked up Joseph, he, on, my Bible, on my Nelson's Bible dictionary, he was the sixth Joseph listed. And there was only seven words about him in there. And the seven words were the husband of Mary, mother of Jesus. That's it. And it gave a couple of verses, the verses we're reading right in here. That's all it said about Joseph. And I thought, this man has to be more important because God chose him to be the father of Jesus Christ. His earthly father. Now we know that the, the heavenly father, that the actual father, the one that gave birth, that gave Mary, Joseph, uh, Jesus is God the father. I'm not denying that. I'm saying but God, through his infinite wisdom, he chose Joseph to do something for him and to help him out. It wasn't just Mary. Joseph was along for the ride too. And what do we know about Joseph? Well, let's look at the first thing we find out about Joseph. Go back up to verse 19. Go back up to verse 19. So let's look at, I'm going to show you seven different things this morning quickly. Seven different things about Joseph I think you'll find interesting. Go back up to verse 19. Verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. First off, you need to know, Joseph was a just man. He was a good man. We would say today, say, that's a good man. He's a gentleman. He's a good, he's a good gentleman. He's a good man. There's not a lot of people I can say that about. There's some Christians I know, some Christian men, I can say, that's a good man. I think that word's used too much. But there is some people you can say, that's a good man. And he's a just man. In God's eyes, God, the scripture says he was a just man. Why? Look, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately or privately. Look, well, you've got to understand the scripture here. What's going on here is... He's a spouse to Mary. That's almost, that's in, in, a, in the biblical times, that's as good as married. They just haven't consummated the marriage yet. So he's a spouse to her that we would call him fiancé. That, that was her fiancé. So he shows up one day and she's pregnant. Well, he knows he hasn't been with her. So the Bible says in Deuteronomy, and I'm not going to read it to you. You can study it out yourself. In Deuteronomy, the Bible says if a woman is caught in adultery, she commits adultery, stone her. So Joseph, he could have made a public example out of her. He could have went and said, y'all know I'm a spouse to Mary. She's pregnant. I haven't been with her. He could have had her stoned and put to death right there. And that's why it says there that verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was the spouse of Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. But Joseph don't know it's of the Holy Ghost. Joseph just knows, here's the woman I love, I'm going to be married to her, we hadn't consummated the marriage, and here she is pregnant. But the Bible says Joseph was a just man. Joseph loved her. Because if Joseph didn't love her, he could have said, I want to stone her. But Joseph, out of his infinite love, Joseph, his love for Mary, he says, you know what? I just want to put it away privately. I just want to do that. Let's just, let's just, Mary, go ahead and go your way. Let's not make a public scene out of this. I don't want to, he didn't want to, he didn't want to get her stoned. He didn't want to have her stoned. Joseph was a just man. He loved her like Adam loved Eve. You know the Bible says that Eve was deceived that the man wasn't? That's what the Bible says. What do you mean, bro? What happened was, is Eve was deceived in her biting of that apple, or the, or the fruit, whatever you think it is. She took of that fruit, and she was deceived. The Bible says that man loved, what, you, what the Bible's saying is that man loved Eve so much. Adam loved Eve so much that he basically, he knew that she was wrong, but he wanted to be with her, and he took that. I think sometimes that women, I, think, I hope a lot of our wives in here understand, the love that we have for our wife is immense. And the Bible says we should be willing to lay our life down for our wife. Amen. I know a lot of men would. I know a lot of men would. You know what Jesus Christ is? Jesus Christ is our husband. As believers, we're part of the bride of Christ. We're bride. You know what the Bible says? He laid his life down for us. Amen. Jesus Christ, as our, as our bridegroom, he loved us enough. He said, I'll die for you. I can't be married to you. I'm unholy. I'm unclean. Christ says, I want you. And I'll die for you. And I'll make you clean. That's Joseph. That's the kind of man that God chose. 
God chose Joseph. The second thing you need to know about Joseph, Joseph was a quiet man. Joseph was a quiet man. How do you know he was a quiet man? Do you know in Scripture there's not one word recorded of what Joseph said? Not one. The Bible never records Joseph saying a word. You know what I know about men? That sounds like a lot of men I know. When I, when I work, when I work at, at my job, and I, always, I always have a laborer with me. I always have somebody riding with me. Sometimes I don't have to just, just somebody stuck with me. They're riding with me. Sometimes we'll be, we'll be eight hours in a, in, in a truck riding together, doing work, working everything. It might go an hour, two hours, and we don't say nothing to each other. He's not saying nothing, and I'm not saying nothing. And guess what? We're not mad. <laughs> Nobody's mad. We just don't have a lot to say. When me and my wife first got together and we were riding along, we, we might have been coming up here. I don't know where we were riding. We were riding for a long time. She hadn't said a word. And I, I turned to her and I said, are you mad at me? She said, no. Why? I said, because you hadn't said nothing. She said, well, I had nothing to say. I said, oh, okay. I was like, whew. Joseph was a quiet man. He's a quiet man. It's okay to be a quiet man. A strong, just, quiet man. Just a, just a foundation. Just a firm foundation. I have an aunt that's like a mother to me. When my mother passed away, she kind of took my mother's place in a lot of ways. And I have an uncle that's just a strong man. They're both good Christians, but my aunt, she can talk your ear off. And I love her to death, but she can talk. And I, I get a lot of that from her. And she can talk and talk and talk. And my uncle Bo can't hardly say a word, put a word edge in. He can't get a word edge in edgewise. When I go to visit, he can't hardly talk because she's doing all the talking. And then she tells me, he can't hear his hearing. He don't have good hearing. He's like 92 now. He can't hear. Well, that's from years of listening to you talk. It's wore his ears out. You know, that's, well, I don't say that, but I think that. She's probably tuned into Facebook. The one Sunday she tunes into Facebook, she's doing that. I love you, Aunt Dorothy, if, I, if, if you're listening in. But, uh, no, I love, but that's the truth. I mean, I love a lot of men like that. Well, their wives do a lot of talking. They don't do, they don't do much talking, but that's the way God made us. And to try to tell me that men and women are the same, you're a cuckoo. You don't know men and women very well. Another thing you need to know about Joseph, he was a carpenter. A lot of y'all know that already about Joseph. That's why I had to put, what about Joseph the carpenter? Because Joseph the I didn't want you to think it's Joseph the dream interpreter. What about Joseph the carpenter? Joseph was a carpenter. Matthew 13, 55 says, Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not this the carpenter's son? So Joseph was known as a carpenter. Jesus Christ was known as a carpenter. In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, it says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary? So what's interesting about that is Joseph was a carpenter, and evidently his trade as a carpenter gave him, he gave it to Jesus Christ as his occupation, because they called Jesus Christ a carpenter. Don't you know our Lord God, Jesus Christ, manifest in the flesh? Don't you know as the creator of the universe, the one that designed everything around you, the one that took us and molded us like clay, don't you think he just loved being a carpenter? Working with his hands all day long, and his skin, and forcing that wood to take the shape he wants it to take. Oh, don't you know that that's what Jesus, that's why he chose Joseph. He said, I'm a carpenter, and I want my earthly father to be a carpenter. It's interesting to know that about Joseph. I love it that God chose Joseph. See, sometimes it's what God chose to do and not what God didn't choose to do. Think about it. God didn't choose, and he couldn't have chose anybody. God didn't say, okay, I want my father, my earthly father, when I'm born of Mary, I want my earthly father to be a king or to be rich or to be a priest you would think that, right? You would think God said, okay, I want my, my father to be a high priest, to be a priest. That's not what God did. What did God choose? God chose Joseph, the working man, that works with his hands. That's who God chose. He said, I want the father of my son, Jesus Christ, the, the earthly father, I want him to be a working man. I love that. Why? Because I'm a working man, and I'm not rich, and I'm not a governor, and I'm not a priest, and I'm just a regular old guy. And I like that, that God says, you know that regular old guy that is just a carpenter working with the wood? That's who I choose. Amen. Joseph obeyed God's words. The fourth thing you need to know about Joseph is he obeyed God's words. Look down at verse, uh, yeah, look down at verse, mm, verse 24. Verse 24, Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. Then Joseph, being raised from the sleep, 
did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife. Joseph just simply obeyed God's words. He was getting his God's words from the angel. The angel said, hey, God wants you to do this. And Mary is not, she's not cheated on you. The thing she has is from the Holy Ghost. This was, inter- this, is, this was God dwelling among us, and it has to be born through a virgin. This is all prophecy. He believed God's word that that verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. That's prophecy. Coming from Isaiah, he's believing prophecy. He's believing the word of God, and he's following the word of God. That's Joseph. That's Joseph. Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Matthew 2, 13. Joseph followed God's word. Matthew 2, 13, and when, they, and when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared, appeared unto Joseph in a dream. This happened again, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. So Joseph was told, Hey, you need to get out of here. Herod's going to try to kill the child, and he did. He tried to kill all the children at that age, at that time. And he, he sends Joseph and Mary down into Egypt. So Joseph, it, the angel didn't come to Mary and say, Mary, take Jesus and go down into, that's what every Catholic believes. The Bible says that he said, Joseph, take Mary and take the baby and go down in there. He's working through Joseph. And Joseph is a man that believes God's word and does what God says. When the, see, this story takes place right after the wise men come in. The wise come in. What do the wise men do? They give Jesus Christ gifts. One of the things that the gifts they give them is what? They give them some gold. That's pretty useful when you're on a long journey down into Egypt. You have to stay down in Egypt for a while and then come back. God's working in these people's lives. Look at verse 19. Verse 19. But when Herod was dead... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Let me stop there. Notice it doesn't say Mary. I'm hammering on this because we put the importance on Mary, and Mary was blessed. But thanks to the Catholic Church, they focus all of it on the mother. They focus all of it on the woman. They focus all of it on Mary. And when you get into reading the Scripture, she's just not that important. She's important to what, when it comes to the Word of God, to having Jesus Christ and being blessed. But if you're going to start praying to somebody, you're wasting your time praying to Mary. She's not any holier than me and you. She's a sinner just like me and you. Just like Joseph's a sinner. And when God got ready to say, hey, I need Mary and Jesus to go back up to Israel, he didn't go to Mary in a dream. He went to Joseph. Because Joseph is a quiet man. Joseph is just a working man. Joseph is working behind the scenes like a lot of daddies in this room and a lot, a lot of fathers I've known over my lifetime. A lot of fathers are the hard workers. They're working behind the scenes. They're not running their mouths. They're not doing a lot of talking. And so you kind of forget how important they are. Like we've forgotten how important he is. Joseph. He's important to this story. He appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose, that would be Joseph, arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. So God was leading Joseph and bringing Joseph down to Galilee. So Christ would be a Galilean, be a Nazarene, which would fulfill prophecy. Joseph was being used by God. But first and foremost, you need to understand about Joseph. He believed God's words and followed them. He's a good man. The Bible just doesn't use words like just man, just willy-nilly. When God says he's a just man, I can guarantee you he was a just man. Joseph was a good man. Another thing you need to understand about God and uh, Joseph uh, and what Joseph, how important Joseph was to God's story in the birth and resurrection. Look at John chapter 8. Look at John chapter 8. I want to move on to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. So we forget sometimes that Joseph... He could have chose not. He could have chose not to do what he did. Everybody
everybody in this room has a free, free will, has a free choice. Everybody, everybody under the sound of my voice has a free choice to either receive or reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Nobody's forcing him on him. It's a free country. So when the angel came and the angel said, Hey, Joseph, Mary, that wasn't, she wasn't cheating on you. It was, that thing's from the Holy Ghost. Joseph could have said, like Scrooge, he could have said, Oh, I just had some bad potato last night. It's indigestion. I don't believe that. I can't believe that that, wasn't, that dream was caused by the bad potato I had last night. Kind of like what Scrooge said about Marley when Marley showed up. Joseph didn't do that. Joseph said, Go down into Egypt? What? I'm not, no, I don't want to know any part of this. I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm out of here. But God chose Joseph because he knew Joseph would obey God's words. And Joseph had a choice not to. See, what, you, when you read these stories, you're seeing men and women, brothers and sisters, realize this. You're seeing men and women that have the choice not to do these things that they're doing. And sometimes they're doing them with the threat of violence. Sometimes upwards to the threat of death. They're losing their family. When you, when you go down into Egypt, Joseph didn't take his mama and his daddy and Mary's mama and daddy. He didn't take his family. He, it's like these missionaries. They just left and went down into Egypt. And it didn't say how long. Joseph didn't know, am I going to live the rest of my life down in Egypt? Who wants to be down in Egypt? Joseph probably didn't. <laughs> but he made the right choice because God knew he would obey his words. And that's why these choices are so important. So Joseph obeyed God's words. And here's something else about Joseph that a lot of people forget. He made this choice because, listen, she says, she didn't cheat on you. The angel says, she didn't cheat on you, Joseph. This thing is the Holy Ghost. So there's a spiritual thing going on here, amen? You can't prove that, right? Joseph can't prove that. He can't say, well, let me prove it to me. He, you can't. Mary can't prove that. This thing is of the Holy Ghost. So what does Joseph say? He's got to go by faith. But what that leads to is something we forget about with Joseph. And it's something that I thought about as a man. This would bother a lot of us in here. I think it would bother a lot of us in here. Is this. Joseph was ridiculed. Joseph was ridiculed because the rest of the world thought, <laughs> yeah, right. That thing's of the Holy Ghost. I bet it was. Look at John chapter 8. Look at verse 41. I'm going to show you this. This is implied a lot by the Pharisees, and then they go on and just basically say it. Verse 41, Jesus Christ is arguing with the Pharisees, the religious leaders of those times. And Jesus Christ, he kicks them. He kicks them pretty hard. In verse 41, Jesus Christ kicks them. And when I say kick them, I don't mean physically, but with his words. You do the deeds of your father. Who is it? <laughs> he goes on to call them the fathers the devils, what he goes on to say. Jesus does. But he's talking to the Pharisees, and Jesus tells them, You do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. We're not born of fornication. Why would they say that? Because the rumor was, and even to this day, if you talk to the right Jew, the Jew will say Jesus Christ was just born out of wedlock. There wasn't no special virgin birth. Mary slept with some other guy. Didn't even sleep with Joseph. They'll say it, they'll go so far, and, and, and this is a biblical word when I say it, so y'all don't get all, don't get your hair all stirred. They'll go so far as to call Jesus Christ a bastard. That's a biblical word. He's born out of wedlock. Jesus is nothing but a bastard. And that's why they're saying, we're not born of fornication. See, and if you look, look down at verse 48. So he, him, and the, him, and the, him and these uh, Pharisees, they go back and forth, back and forth. Look at verse 48. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? So they're accusing Jesus Christ of being a Samaritan. Well, Joseph is a Jew. Mary's a Jew. What do you mean? Is a Samaritan was a half Jew and a half Gentile. They're claiming that Jesus Christ's dad was some Samaritan, a dog in a Jew's eyes. Your mom slept with some dog and you're some half-breed. That's what they're calling Jesus Christ. Now, brothers and sisters, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he can handle that because he's God manifest in the flesh. But Joseph had to live with that. People ridiculing him. People talking behind his back. Yeah, yeah, Mary. Mary had, she got pregnant before they were married. And then 
Mary told Joseph that God came down through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Joseph was stupid enough to believe it. What a fool. That's what Joseph dealt with. Joseph lived a life of ridicule. Lived a life of ridicule. Knowing that Jesus Christ wasn't his son. And people made fun of him about it. Yeah, your wife cheated on you. You don't have enough guts to do something about it. You didn't have enough guts to stone her like you should have. You're letting her run around. She's nothing but a huzzy. He lived with that. And he chose to live with that. Joseph was a just man. You, can, you start to understand how awesome Joseph is? I mean, I'm a man, and I'm, I, I'm a father, and I respect Joseph more than I ever respected Joseph when I started studying his life out and saying, wow, I don't know if I could handle that. I'd be in a fist fight every day. It, it'd be horrible. Joseph lived it. Joseph lived the ridicule. Look at Luke chapter 2. Joseph lived something else, I'll show you. Luke chapter 2, something that some men in here have lived. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, Gospel of Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Let me show you the sixth one. So I've shown you that Luke is a, uh, excuse me, I've shown you that Joseph is a just man. Joseph was a quiet man. Joseph was a carpenter. I've shown you that Joseph obeyed God's words. The fifth thing I showed you was Joseph lived a life of ridicule. And the sixth thing I want to show you is found in Luke chapter 2. Look at verse 41. Look at verse 41. Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his, that would be Jesus Christ. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Joseph and Mary and Jesus go up, probably with some of their other children. At this time she had other children. Verse 42, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, that would be Joseph and Mary and the, and the other kids, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Notice in verse 43 that it says, Joseph and his mother knew not of it. The Bible never calls Joseph his father. Always calls him Joseph. It never says his father and his mother knew not of it. Scripture, the Holy Spirit never calls him his father. Why? Because God is Jesus Christ's father. Joseph is simply a stepfather. And the point I'm about to make to you is that Joseph lived the life of being a stepfather. Now, I've lived that life of being a stepfather. And I can tell you that's hard to do. That's a hard thing to do. It's hard to be a stepfather. It's hard to be that father that's a stepfather. It's a thankless job. It's a, it's a thankless job, and it's a very, very hard thing to do. And I'm not bragging about anything I've done because I wasn't a good stepdad. I'm still not a good stepdad. But I've seen some really, really, really good stepfathers. And I respect them and have so much honor for them. And I, have, I, I mean, I ask them, how are you doing that? And it's just something in their heart. They got, they, I don't have that love. They have that love. Say, so what do you mean that kind of love? Well, <laughs> here's what happens when you're a stepfather. And this, this didn't necessarily happen to Joseph, but as a stepfather, this is what you're going to have to deal with as a stepfather. You're going to be there all week long. Take out the trash. Pick up your room. You, did, you got a bad grade. I'm going to have to ground you. And then that weekend comes, and here comes the dad. He comes pulling up, and, oh, daddy's here. And they go running out the house, and dad takes them for the weekend, and they go over here to Six Flags, and they go over here to the lake, and he feeds them everything they want. He buys them whatever he wants. And then on Sunday afternoon, he pulls back up, and he drops them back off. He's the most wonderful dad, and there's the evil stepdad. You're still grounded because you you, 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 you're failing in math. <laughs> Come on in. The poor stepdad's having to discipline them, and the dad is running around like a hero. That happens every day in America. And it's hard on a stepdad, because he turns into the enemy. He's the one trying to just do the discipline. He turns into the mean one. He turns into the evil one. And what happens to a lot of men is they get this from, from the kids. You're not my daddy. You're not my father. And what's amazing about this, this is exactly what Joseph's about to hear. Look at verse 44. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. 
And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. So this big group of people went down to Jerusalem to the feast, and they're coming back, and they get back, and they're like, hey, has anybody seen Jesus lately? Where's Jesus? Huh, somebody lost Jesus. Somebody's lost Jesus. Where's he at? And they look, I thought he was over there. I thought he was with that. I thought he, no, no, I, let's go back. So they go back to Jerusalem, and they're seeking him. Verse 46, and it came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple. They found Jesus in the temple. They took three days to find him. How mad would you be? Be honest, ladies. Have you ever lost one of your kids up in the grocery store or in a big department store? And all of a sudden you're looking around for them and you're like, man, all of a sudden you hear it over there. Well, the child of Keegan Hall, please come to the front. The child is up here crying like a little baby. Please come to the front. And then everybody's looking around and they see the mom that lost their child coming up to the front and everybody's looking around like, oh, that's a bad mother. Let their child get away. You know? <laughs> and I was, over there, I was over there sneaking away. Verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. Amazing. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 47. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Verse 48. When they saw him, they were amazed. That's Joseph and Mary. And his mother said unto him, this is what Mary says, A son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Of course she's mad. <laughs> Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Okay. They're, they're, they're crying. They're, they're, they're worried. They're worried sick. And he says, she says to Jesus, What's she say? I'm going to make sure I say it right. Thy father. So Mary says, Thy father and me and I have sought thee sorrow. Now it's very important because the very next words Jesus Christ says is important because of what she said. She says, Thy father. Now look what Jesus Christ says. And when he said unto them, just what Jesus answered, verse 49, How is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? Your father's a carpenter. Uh, my father's up in heaven. Hey, Joseph, you ain't my daddy. You ain't my daddy. I got a daddy up there, and I'm working for him. Every stepdad's dealt with that. Even the best kids, even the best kids with their stepparents will say stuff like that. Or at least thank it. They're not my mama. They're not my daddy. Joseph dealt with that. That's a hard thing to deal with. What happened? Verse 50, And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. They don't understand what he's talking about. Verse 51, And when he went down, he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things, these sayings in her heart. Even though Jesus Christ knew that wasn't his dad, even though Jesus Christ knew that he was God manifest in the flesh, and he still went down, he was still subject unto them. So I'm saying this morning, if you're underneath the sound of my voice, and you're a young, you're a young teenager, or you're a child, and you're saying, that's not my daddy. Well, the Bible says, that might not be your real daddy. Nobody's arguing with that. That might not be your real mom. But you need to be subject unto them. You need to show them honor. You need to show them honor. That somebody's paying for your clothes. Somebody's paying for the water bill, the electricity bill. Somebody's paying for the food in the refrigerator. Somebody's paying for, you, pay, paying for you to play on those video games all day long and do all the things you do. Somebody's paying for it. It's not just your dad that's showing up or your mom that's showing up every two weeks. You need to be subject unto them. Even Jesus Christ was. Now to finish this off, I'm going to take this in the direction I really wanted to go in the beginning, but I knew it wouldn't last long. It's simply this. God thinks it's important for a child to have a father. Because if you go back to Matthew 1, you don't have to go back there, but if you go back to Matthew 1 and you're reading that story, what God could have done, when you meditate on it, what God could have done is simply this. God could have said, okay, Mary's pregnant. Joseph, he's a just man. I know Joseph's not going to stone her to death. Joseph's just going to put her away privately. What I'll do is I'll just have Mary... Mary get, be raised by her father, 
And I'll do everything through Mary, through Jesus Christ. And, and, and then Jesus Christ could just have Mary as a mother, maybe have her dad as his granddad. They can raise the child, and I'll do everything. And he could have. God could do anything he wants to do. But God thought it was important that Joseph stayed with Mary and was that father figure. That he was that earthly father that I believe every child needs. Now the world's going to tell you that you don't need a father. The world's going to tell you that it's more important to have the mother. They're going to give you books that say for little kids, My Two Mommies. My two daddies. and all, They're going to tell you all. They're going to try to destroy the nucleus of the family that God has set up. But God set up from the very beginning. The father, and then there's the father as the head of the house, and then the mother, and then the children. And the father being the head. And God thought it was important enough that he sends an angel to Joseph in a dream and says, Hey, don't do nothing with her. Everything's going to be okay. You can be with her. God thought that was important. If you read about God the Father, starting in Genesis and go all the way to the book of Revelation, what you're going to find out interesting about God, He has His heart on four special people, all from Scripture. He's always looking after the widows. He always has a heart for the poor. Keep this in mind. The third person, he, people he likes, he keeps a heart on, has an eye on, has a heart on, has an eye on, is the stranger. Someone who's not part of Israel. Just some, some stranger out there. But the fourth one that people forget about, that's in, it's in that list almost every time, is the fatherless. The fatherless. So I thought that was interesting in my Bible reading. I was reading through there and I see the fatherless, the fatherless, the fatherless. I said, that's really interesting. I wonder what God has for the motherless. It's not in there. I challenge you to read your Bible, go home, get a computer. Get a dictionary. Get a, get a strong concordance. Look up the word motherless. It's never mentioned. God's heart is on the fatherless. God thinks it's so important. He says, I've got my eyes and my ears, and I'm watching out for the fatherless and the widows and the poor. God thinks it's important for a man or a little child to have a father. Now, why is this so important to me? Why am I preaching this? I'm preaching this because I grew up without a father. And I can tell you as a grown man with some gray on my head that it's important for a child to have a father. I grew up without one. I know what it's like not to have one. I know what it's like when you look around and this kid knows how to change the oil in his car. This kid knows how to work on his car. This kid knows how to hunt. This kid's, and you're over here and you don't know nothing because you never had a man to show you. I think it's important for a man, a young child, to have that man, to have that father figure to show them how to act. To get up and go to work when they don't feel good. To do those things that a man, can, a man shows you those things that need to be done. That quiet resolve, that foundation, that firm foundation, that man that stands fast, that's not willy-nilly, just that man. And I, there's women like that out there, out there like that. I grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a relationship, in a family that was full of nothing but strong women. So I'm, I'm not against women. My mother was a strong-willed woman. My, my, all the women in my family, they're strong-willed, and they'll tell you exactly how they feel, and they'll tell you where to go, and I wouldn't want to deal with them. I don't like to deal with them. But there's nothing like a dad. There's nothing like a father. There's nothing like that that a child needs. And God thought it was important enough to keep Joseph there for Jesus Christ and for Mary. Instead of Mary being an unwed mother that God was using through Jesus Christ, no. God says, no, I want Joseph to stay there. And I think that's important how God chooses that. In James chapter 1. Read you a verse, James chapter 1. You can turn there if you want. I'm going to read it real quick for time's sake. But James chapter 1 tells us what religion is. People talk about religion. What is religion? Uh, there's, well, God, the Bible talks about religion. But there's only one pure religion. Amen. <laughs> Amen. John, it's James chapter 1, verse 27. What is pure religion? Here's what God says to the Word of God what religion is. Pure religion. Pure religion is undefiled before God and the Father, and the Father is this. What is it? To visit the fatherless. First off the list. 
The first thing on the list of pure religion is to visit the fatherless. And then goes on to say, and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. The first thing on that list is to visit the fatherless. God says, if somebody doesn't have a father, they need help. And lots of it. When you start looking at college graduates, you start looking at men that are in prison, when you start looking at men that, that, that have no education, you start looking at men that aren't successful, what you'll find is this, this common theme run through there. The men that have college educations, the men that are successful, a lot of times you're going to find behind them a father and a family, a nucleus. And when you look at a, a man that's in prison and you go into prison, you look at them, you know what you're going to find a lot of? A man that didn't have a father. Like my mom. She's a strong-willed lady. And I've told you some stories about her using a, whip, a, a, a belt like a whip. But listen, she was a little woman. She did not have command over me like a father would. Growing up without a father, I craved that. And when I was about 15, 16 years old, I was so wild, like a wild hyena. And this man heard about me. I don't know how he heard about me. I don't know when he heard about me, but he heard about me. And he was a bodybuilder, but he happened to be a youth minister. And guess what? He was a youth minister at a church of Christ. Imagine that. Some of y'all think I hate the church of Christ. Well, guess what? This guy was a youth minister at the church of Christ. And he came over to my house. And he knocked on my door. He said, I'm looking for Keegan. My mom sent me to the door. and I said, yeah. And he goes, hey, you want to go up for a cup of coffee sometime? My name is Joe Wilkerson. I just like to talk to you. Just like I heard you're, you're having trouble in school and everything. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Come on. So he took me with him. And there was that male figure I needed. And he took me with him. We drank coffee. We talked about things. He went out visiting the people, and I'd go with him. He'd come by, drive by, and pick me up. And he was this big old bodybuilder and had this little bitty old car. I'll never forget it. I don't know how he fit in there. But he showed me the male attention that I needed, even at 15 and 16 years old. And he helped me to change my life and to get right with God. I got saved. And he had an influence on that. This church of Christ. Youth minister. Why? How? It wasn't his doctrine he taught me. It wasn't the Bible he taught me. It's because he simply showed me some attention that I needed from another older male. God knows that importance. He says, pure religion is for the fatherless. To visit the fatherless. That brother in Christ... Now, I believe he's saved. Joe Wilkerson, he came by. He did the first thing that a pure religion does. It visited me. And I thank God for him. And I thank God for every one of you men in here that are trying to be good dads. We're not good dads, right? We try to be the best dad we can. Thank God for y'all. Thank God for y'all. And your children don't appreciate you enough. Amen, they don't. Because I'm jealous of some of y'all's relationships with the kids and the dads. I'm like, man, I wish I had a dad... I had my dad for three months. My dad was showed to me when I was eight years old, and I didn't know who my dad was. I said, here's your dad. I remember looking up, here's this big old guy with a cowboy hat on. He had tears running down, and he put me up in his arms, and he carried me out, and he sent me in his life, and I was, I was on cloud. I remember I was so happy. And then three months later, he was murdered. I never got to know him. And I was like a wild hyena until I got saved. Psalms chapter, six, Psalms chapter 68. I'm going to close there. I know I'm running a little long. Psalms 68. This stuff's important to me. Because the world's going to tell you, eh, the father's not important. The male is not important. Oh, yes, he is. There's things that a male can do, that a man can do, that a woman just can't do for a child. I'm not trying to hurt you women, your women's feelings. I, I promise you that I was raised by a single mom. My mom was Wonder Woman to me. And she still is Wonder Woman. I can't believe the things she did by herself. But there's things that a, a, a man can do that a woman just can't do for a child. Vice versa, there's things that a woman can do, a mother, that a, that a father or a dad just can't do. The comfort, the understanding, the kissing the, kissing the wound when you get hurt. Those things that a man's not going to do, the woman does. Changing the diaper, all those things that men are just not good at. 
There's that, that's gross. I don't have nothing to do with that. And that loving, that mother can just love on that nasty-looking child. And the father's like, ooh. God's got to set up that way. It's perfect harmony, isn't it? It's perfect harmony. Psalm 68, Psalm 68 in closing, verse 4. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name, extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Jah, and rejoice before him. Now, Jah is the abbreviation of Jehovah. Jah is the abbreviation of Jehovah. But look at verse 5. A father of the fatherless. <laughs> and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. Yeah, I grew up without a father. And it didn't help me in my life. And you reap what you sow. I sowed a lot of stuff without a father. Well, a father could have been there to correct me, to show me. And I did a lot of stuff that even to this day I'm paying for. But I've got a father now. I've got a heavenly father. He's a father to the fatherless. That's one of the greatest gifts God gave me is allow me to call him father. See, and I thank him for that. In my prayer life, I thank Lord, thank you for letting me call you father. But see, growing up without a father, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what a father was until I had my son. And then when I had my son, I, all that love I had in me for my son, all that, all that hope, all that joy, all the, the blessing, everything I wanted to do for my son, and all that, that I understood, that's how God the Father feels about me. I didn't understand it. I never had a father to love on me like that. I never had a man to love on me like that. It was mind-boggling. It broke me down into tears. It makes me soft-hearted to know that God is a father to the fatherless. If you're in here without a family, verse 6, God setteth the solitary in families. If you don't have a family, God says, I'll give you a family. I'll be your father. I'll give you a bunch of brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much, Father, for loving us, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to call you Father, Lord. And I pray, Father, there's somebody in the sound of my voice that, they don't know you as a father. They just know you as God. They know you as some weird uh, way out there being that you know, people talk about, but they don't have any relationship with you, Lord. I just pray, Father, that through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that they would, you would send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and speak to the heart of truth, Lord, that you want to be their father, that you want to adopt them into this family that I'm talking about, Lord. They might be solitary. They might be lonely. They might be sitting in a prison cell, Lord God, but you're there for the fatherless. You're there for the man or the woman that has nobody. You're there to be their father, Lord, and I thank you for that, Lord. Now, thank you for the family of God that I have, Lord. Thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. They're so wonderful to me. They love on me, Lord, and I thank you so much for them. Lord, I thank you for men that have come into my life that have been father figures to me. Lord, I thank you for them, Lord God. And I thank you for the women in my life, Lord God, the, the mothers, Lord God, the, the many mothers you've sent me. As my mother was, uh, you took my mother home early, Lord God. I thank you for those women you sent into my life, Lord God, that took on that motherly role, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know you've got a plan, Lord God. I know you've got a system of doing things, Lord. And I know it works better when we do it your way. Lord, I pray, Father, you speak to your people, the heart, your, your people's heart, the truth, Lord. I pray you be with them. Bless them, Lord God. Bless any man that's trying to be a good stepdad, Lord God, that's trying to raise his kids, Lord God. I pray you bless them, Lord God. And I pray you bless his kids, Father. And Lord, I pray you give him wisdom to know what to do and not to do, Lord. And I pray all this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.